A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia. Hey, if you can buy sleep from Costco, will you do it? Our guest today, Sandra Kornblatt, the founder of RestfulInsomnia.com, will tell us why chasing after sleep does not work for us, and how to allow sleep to happen naturally. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep. Hi, Sandra. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to get to know you. I know you located in Seattle, and you have a wonderful website called Restful Insomnia. How did you get into the work of working with people to help them with their sleep problem and stress? Well, you know, it was by experience. I had a chronic bout of insomnia about 20 years ago. Um, it was not anxiety. It was not jet lag. It was not any premenstrual or uh, menopausal syndromes. I was just awake at like three in the morning. I fell asleep okay, but I was wide awake. Nothing helped. I was not interested in doing pharmaceuticals, but I tried melatonin, magnesium, tryptophan, herbal remedies, and nothing. If it helped, it helped maybe one night. And so most nights I was up in the middle of the night, fell back asleep right before the alarm went off and I had two young kids at the time and I was not the best parent. I was exhausted. I couldn't think straight. Um, so I was pretty much at the point of pretty large frustration. And I had a realization, actually it was during the day. Um, I've always really valued personal growth work, but with two young kids, I had no time to practice anything. So I thought, what am I doing in the middle of the night other than not sleeping? Let me practice some of these methods. And I found that when I did that, they moved me to this place of deep rest where I was that sort of pre-sleep feeling where you know where you are, but it doesn't matter, or you have thoughts, but you don't really care about them or emotions come. And I found that the next day I had more energy, which made me quite quite interested in deep breast. I did research and worked for myself on what the obstacles were and discovered that deep breast is really the beginning part of sleep. It uh, renews your mind, renews your body, your uh, hormones, and your sense of focus and your happiness. And if you're not chasing sleep, it welcomes sleep. So that's when I began my program because other people were interested in helping people learn about how to have a different relationship with themselves at night to be able to sleep, but mostly to be able to rest and renew. Wow. That's quite a journey. It sounds like from your own personal experience and personal difficulties, you actually find a way how to live with sleep difficulties and stress in general work for you and now you're helping more people. That's exactly what happened. I really like what you mentioned, not chase sleep. 
and then it happens kind of naturally, right? That's so interesting because a lot of people with insomnia, with sleep problems I treated, they all somewhat are chasing sleep. They would fill out a questionnaire before they see me. They will, I will ask them how satisfied you are with your sleep, how worried you are if you cannot sleep well. Wow, like the, the, the results are very similar, right? People really want to control their sleep. But what you are seeing is the opposite. If you want to control it, somehow it's not that helpful. Exactly. I mean, if you are if you're chasing sleep, you're monitoring, you're trying to decide if you're sleeping, um, you're constantly aware of the time, your body gets stressed, your mind gets stressed, and sleep is about letting go. You literally cannot make yourself sleep, but you can help yourself rest and welcome sleep. But it's a paradoxical difference, isn't it? You know, it's like if you have a cat, and the cat runs out the front door and you run after the cat screaming, get back in here, cat. The cat is not going to come in. The cat's going to be like, I'm out of here. And it's the same feeling about sleep. The more you run after it and chase it, the farther away it goes. Yeah. Wow. I love that analogy. <laughs> I, I definitely can Im imagine the picture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then when yeah. you get caught up in, at night and you can't sleep, it makes the worry and the stress of it more. Yeah, I do want to ask about that. Actually, I cannot remember how many people ask me repeatedly. They somewhat experience waking up in the middle of the night. And for some reason, it often happens around 2 or 3 a.m. And that is actually the time people start worry a lot, cannot stop thinking, stop either worry about work and what happened during the day or worry about sleep itself. And sounds like that's somewhat your experience too. Yes, many of my clients have that as well. They have their first section of sleep, their first you know pieces of it, so their body is not all worn out, and then their mind starts to take over, and they don't know how to relate to their mind um, to let it uh, have a break as well. So I work with a lot of my clients, both for the day and the night night issues on how to relate to your mind that you honor it. I'm so glad that I have a functioning mind, but um, to remind the mind that it's not in charge, you know, all the time, that there's other ways that I can for solve problems. Sleep is an amazing tool to solve problems, and so is rest. There's wisdom in the body, and um, the mind can get its claws in you and you can figure out, I help people find ways to detach the mind with all honoring it, but being able to focus more on really what the night is about, which is renewal and rest. Wow. So let sleep just be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, but how can we stop our mind? I think a lot of time we just uh, lose control of what, how our brain's doing. Yes, I think that that's a great question. I think there's a couple pieces. One is having the perspective that the mind gets to be a little bit of a bully. The mind loves to solve problems. And once the mind starts solving problems, it's like, yay, I'm working. Give me some more problems to solve. Um, and so you can recognize that that's what your mind is doing. And then you can do a couple of things to reframe what is happening. One is you can you can give your mind 
a complicated problem to solve or an even easy problem to solve that is not personal. Because when you are even thinking about something non-intense, um, like redecorating your dining room, you're still thinking about, well, where will I put the dishes? What will people think? How will I move things? And it's a personal, your body gets stressed thinking about all of that. But if you think about something like, you know, a game like naming all of the trees you know of that start with the letter A and then B and then C, or you think about being in nature or you imagine your favorite vacation and all the details or, you know, use your senses in a different way, your body gets relaxed even though your mind is working. And then that cycle can start to break down of your mind's worry building, your body's worry building, your mind's worry. So that's, there's other tools that I share as well, but that's one of them is just to really change where your mind is focused so it's less personal. Knowing that your mind likes to solve problems. So giving it a problem to solve that will not make you stressed. Wow. So sounds like it's not trying to ask the mind to stop. Like stop running, stop thinking, I don't like you, I don't want this, just stop. So the mind is not like that. Sounds like your method is really help people to shift the the focus, shift the direction a little bit. It's still thinking, it's just thinking different things. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, if you can get your mind to stop, that's really quite the state of enlightenment. And to me, in some ways, it's like if you hold your finger up really close to your eye and you look at it, very closely and you see the details and then you look far in the distance your eye gets your finger gets a little blurry if you look away from your finger look past it at the at you know what's behind it and so that's what it is for me it's making your mind be less of the central focus it might still be doing its thing but it's not driving the bus huh Wow, I like that. While you are talking about that, I was looking at my fingers. <laughs> exactly. If all we can notice is our finger, right? We see every single detail of it. It's conquered our mind. I can exactly. imagine if it's a stress or if a life stressor or something bother us, that's going to be huge for our brain. But if we pull it away, it got blurred a little bit. I start seeing what's behind it more. Now this finger is gets smaller, actually. It's not all in my mind. My mind has other things. That's a great way of saying it. That's exactly right. Wow. I really like that method. Hmm. And I also like one piece you mentioned is like just sounds like kind of accept that our brain gonna work hard. Our brain likes to solve problems. Just accept that. Yes, yes. And we live, in my mind, we live in a culture that really supports the mind as the number one function. And we often forget the wisdom that our bodies have, um, the fact that we can have, like I said, other ways of learning and other ways of being that um, balance the mind. And we need that balance to function well as humans in this culture, much less function and renew at night in bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how to slow down is such a difficult challenge for us all today. It is, it is. And oftentimes we don't, we feel like it's either on or off. You know, it's like slow down for many people feels like, 
oh, they're at their favorite beach on vacation on day five. And it's like, well, we can't always get there. So how do you, how do you learn to slow and change your focus so that um, you can have moments, even nanoseconds of rest is what I encourage people. Because once you even have moments of rest, you're your um, nervous system is functioning in a different way, even just for a second. And it can move more and more to that parasympathetic nervous system, but it's not necessarily an on off switch. It's more of a journey of continuing to return to that place. Yeah, it would be great if our brain and our body had a light switch, just gonna be like that, right? <laughs> but we don't, yes. we all need a transition. So I really like that. And you mentioned several times rest. So I want to ask you as a as someone how people deal with sleep problems and how people deal with stress in general. So what is the difference between rest and sleep in your mind? Well, I think that for I mean you can call it hypnagogia, you can call it that process that many people recognize that happens before they fall asleep, you know, where you where things your mind might not make sense. You know, where you're, you're it, all of a sudden you're thinking about a, a, a sliding board in the middle of your living room. You're like, what? But that means your mind is starting to let go. Um, and it, it feels like you are letting go of your mind. You're letting go of identity with your emotions, letting go with where you are. And you can just be in your body um, with whatever is happening. Um, and that's just a process that happens that, again, it welcomes sleep because it is about that letting go. Mm, letting go. Okay. Then if people, for some reason, cannot sleep, cannot fall asleep or go back to sleep, if they just rest there a little bit, will that still help them? Yes. I mean, rest has been shown to help your cognitive mind and help your emotions. But I'm talking about, I mean, part of it is resting your body. And most people know how to do that and not move their body. But I, I, what I help people with is how do you rest your mind? Again, we were talking about it going 60 million miles an hour. But also, how do you get some space around emotions? If you're feeling anxious and frustrated about not sleeping, again, that doesn't often have an on-off switch either. So I help people find some space around the feeling of stress or anxiety or even sadness or grief so that they can honor the feelings but not have that be all of who they are so that their emotions can also rest. So when your body and your mind and your emotions and even your sense of self starts to let go, you really are renewing and helping yourself be better for the next day. And I'm repeating myself, but you're also welcoming sleep. Hmm. Yeah. So if we can allow ourselves sometime just rest without necessarily going to reach the goal of sleep, actually we are helping our body to rest, but also helping sleep to happen, sounds like. We are, we are. But again, it's that feeling of um, allowing it to happen rather than monitoring it to happen. Mm -hmm. I know that I don't have chronic insomnia anymore, but life is difficult. So sometimes I have struggles with sleeping and I know that no matter what happens, I can 
manage insomnia in a different way. I'm not getting up or um, struggling or taking medications. I know that I can rest and help myself just ah, be with where I am. And when I stop worrying about sleep, it usually does come. Mm. I really like that, allowing it to happen not really monitoring it to happen or not forcing it to happen, not hoping I'm going to do something so sleep going to happen, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I think that if people could buy sleep at Costco, they would. <laughs> they would just like, you know, there, I got my sleep, you know, but it's it, there's a lot to learn about who you are from that process of just letting go. What gets in your way? How can you let go of it? Who are you if you're not struggling with something? Who who would you be if you were somebody who accepted things more? You know, and and we learn so much about ourselves in a way that's just very useful for a rich, more grounded life as well. Wow. Yeah. So in your own research, your own experience, your own like teaching journey to help so many people. Uh, have you noticed stress, the connection between stress and sleep? Do they often go together? What does that look like? Yeah, I think that, I think they go hand in hand, but they don't have to. I've known people, like I said, clients who had stress but slept fine. But I also know that if you're stressed, it's harder to sleep. It's harder to let go because we get attached to something. And I also know that if you don't sleep, you feel stressed. You have a harder time the next day. And so then it becomes, um, you know, one of those slinky toys going down the stairs. You know, it's like one side and then the other side. And it just keeps, you know, they can make each other worse. And that's why um, learning to have a different relationship with sleep and different relationship with stress can make both of them better. Huh. Yeah, so it's not about letting stress go away. It's about having a different relationship with it. What does that mean? So again, the idea that there's an on-off switch means that we're constantly monitoring things and we don't allow ourselves to appreciate that we can experience our bodies and rest and let stress, again, sort of fade in the distance without it, you know, without it having to be gone. I often see, like I see the mind as being a bit of a bully. I think that anxiety is very stubborn, that anxiety is here in our neurosystem to protect us. And it originally was to protect us when we lived in the stone age or in, you know, uh, times of more physical difficulty to keep alert meant that our survival would continue. We don't have to do that with our physical survival, but we do often do that in terms of how we are in life. Are we where we want to be? Are we connected to who we want to be? And so anxiety is really stubborn, I think. So when I talk to my clients about dealing with it, I talk about having that sense of being able to relax your body for just a moment to, and to tell anxiety that Yes, I'm feeling anxious and I'm okay. Both of those things can exist at the same time. So that you can give yourself a little room to just take a long exhale, for instance, which relieves so much stress because we often hold our breath when we're stressed. 
or to put your hand on your heart to give yourself some comfort. And it's not about chasing anxiety away because it's a lot like sleep. You try to chase anxiety away. It says, no, I'm here for a reason. Then the more you have your body being able to breathe a little more deeply and feel a little more grounded, the more anxiety doesn't have so much to build on because anxiety builds on your body stress. The more you hold your shoulders up, the more thoughts feel true, the more you worry. But if you can make space to relax your body, then you have a different relationship with anxiety and can start to make different choices rather than following the spiral that anxiety often creates. Mm. Yeah, so sounds like we can definitely change how we deal with stress, anxiety, sleep very differently. And for people, we don't, if we have multiple stressors going on in our life, we don't have to wait until the stressor is gone in order to feel relaxed or in all, be able to sleep well. We can actually, I really like what you mentioned, I can feel anxious and I'm okay. Yeah. Yes, you said it very well. And I think that that's true. And it's been a comfort for me at the beginning of the pandemic to say, yes, I'm feeling anxious and I'm okay. And then anxiety didn't feel like it had to put its dukes up. It's like, yeah, I see you. And you're not the only thing that's here. Hmm. So what do you have some like quick tips for people who are either really stressed out right now or who cannot sleep very well due to the stress? Any quick, easy things people can think about trying? Well, I think that being kind to yourself, um, because oftentimes when people feel stressed, they feel like they're doing something wrong. Um, and that's why they're stressed. And if they could fix it, then they wouldn't feel stressed. So I think simply, again, hand on the heart or just feeling, remembering the things you've done during the day that are your accomplishments even if they don't add up to everything you wanted to do to really honor that. And then I think in terms of the body, oftentimes people are taught how to do a relaxation exercise from the feet to the top. And I believe that that's not so relaxing. So starting with relaxing your face and your jaw and letting the energy move down your body can be a place of, um, more reverberation of rest. We hold so much stress in our face and our eyes are so busy looking at things all the time that really to let go of those areas and our jaw can just make a huge difference in being able to be present and more restful and sleeping. Yeah, I like that. This morning I listened to NPR News. I just heard them talking about Zoom fatigue. <laughs> <laughs> which Absolutely. which nowadays possibly we all somewhat have that starting yes. last year, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. It, it's, Zoom is really hard on the eyes and life and screens are hard on the eyes. So again, just honoring what's going on in your body instead of feeling that you should be somewhere else can be really, really a great place to start. Yeah, you mentioned a lot of great actually techniques. Sometimes we always try to help people to practice, to understand how to get grounded, what some 
good ways they can try to relax themselves, relax their body, kind of like calm our mind, calm our body. It all go together. Mm -hmm. And know that you will have to continue to do the same path in a circle oftentimes that, you know, I can calm my body and then my mind is like, well, I forgot to put the dishes away. And then I have to come back and do it again. But each time you come back, it gets deeper and stronger. Ah, so that's an important point. So don't get frustrated if we try something and then we got distracted or it does not work. Just keep on trying and don't judge yourself. Just keep on pulling back to right now, just practice. Right. And then eventually you'll see if the technique works, because maybe if you've practiced a lot and you find it doesn't, it doesn't mean another technique won't. So really, that's a very good point to just be that kind to yourself of just not getting, not letting your frustration take you away from what you really need to do. Right. I definitely, um, my own experience, I talk to different people. I try to teach different techniques to people just like you do. I notice some people when things pile up in their life or when their sleep, you know, just gets really poor for a while, they just lost uh, confidence, lost interest in trying anything. They would try one thing for one day, does not work. They're like, oh, this thing does not work for me. And they keep on like I gave them the answer, another two does not work, right? So they keep on trying different new things. But there are also people told me like there's some technique I gave them first one day, two days, three days. They find, hmm, I'm not sure this worked for me. But when they keep on trying, I was surprised. Actually, someone came back to me say, well, I even though I did not like it, I still tried it for a month guess what? It actually helped me. I was like, wow, good for you. You keep on trying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think I just want to honor that people have a lot of grief and they've tried things and they haven't worked. And oftentimes there is that sense of just letting people feel sad for all of the things that they've tried that, that, that haven't worked the way they wanted so that there's room in their psyche and in themselves to try something new. Um, but I, I just feel like that has to be honored as well. People have tried really hard and they get frustrated when they can't sleep um, and that lose and they lose their ability to think well is when when you're when you don't have enough rest. Right, right. So when uh, went back to originally your personal experience, when you woke up in the middle of the night, cannot fall asleep. That's very common. I heard so many people wake up at 3 a.m. and cannot fall asleep until right before the alarm clock and then (laughs) leave the whole night, maybe only several hours of sleep, really limited. And um, other than practicing all this and letting go, accept it and not chase sleep, just let it happen naturally. Have you tried anything else you find personally really helped yourself? Oh, I have. I have many, many, many tools because Mm -hmm. insomnia, even though it feels the same every night, often isn't. And I can have a tool that works like a charm for nights and nights to help me fall asleep more quickly and rest. And then one night it stops working. I'm like, wait, why did it stop working? So that's why I have tools that focus on my relationship to my body or my breath or the sense of having something with a bigger purpose in my life, a bigger presence. 
um, various tools around the mind because the mind needs different things. If it's bored, it's like, nah, I'm not going to do this. Um, and then, you know, just there's some even things about that relationship of the body and emotions, you know, just the emotional body, just soothing the emotional body is often make a big difference. And I end up having what I call my lullaby for going to bed. I, um, the first thing I do is I acknowledge what I did during the day. Because even though I can have a long list of what I didn't do, it's like even things like I took my medicine, I went for a walk, I talked to somebody. Then I try to let the light of gratitude shine and see what gets illuminated by gratitude, which is a different piece than finding something I'm grateful for, but just feeling gratitude and seeing what's there. And then I go through the seven pathways. I make sure that I'm resting. I make sure my environment is comfortable. I, um, I settle into my body. I look at my emotions, making sure they're not ruling the roost and soothing them. I feel a sense of something bigger in my life and my purpose. And then also look at my mind. Um, and usually by the time I get even halfway through that, I'm done. Yeah, I love the seven pathways you put on your website. I, I check out your website. I was like, wow, you lay out all this sleep uh, science and method and a lot of in incorporate your own knowledge, your own experience into this very uh, easy to understand, easy to follow pathways. And Thank I especially you. love the gratitude part you just mentioned. And it's such a powerful thing, especially if we try it before we go to bed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It Gratitude can really open the heart. And, you know, I have, I'm a, a certified sleep coach and I've studied um, a lot of the, the, the important scientific basis for sleep. And I've also added a, a different pieces to it because I think that um, sleep is a m wonderful mystery. It's an amazing thing. Um, and I feel very grateful that I can sleep. Um, and, and just really looking at ways to help more people sleep gives me a lot of joy. Wonderful. So Sandra, near the end of our show, if any of our listeners want to find your service, how can they find you? They can look at restfulinsomnia.com. I offer a free PDF and audio um, on first steps to deeper rest. I also offer free consultations if people are interested in talking about coaching or other services that I provide. Um, and you can also send me a message there. Great, wonderful. So I will put your website to our uh, podcast show note at deepintosleep.co. So when people listen to this interview, they will be able to click through your website and find all your information and all the wonderful free resources you offer. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. This is wonderful. I'm, I learned a lot. I'm sure the audience gets something out of it. Thank you again for coming to the show. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Great questions. And it was lovely to talk to you. If you want to read more about Sandra's Seven Pathway to Sleep, you can go to her website at restfulinsomnia.com. I will add all the other resources she mentioned to our show note at deepintosleep.co. Click the subscribe button at the bottom of the website and get our weekly updates. 
and other information I share about sleep health. I'm your host Ishan. See you next week. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk, and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you, the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co. Or slash insomnia.